you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Great to be back here with you on another Monday here on Move the Sticks. Brett Lewis here with our former NFL scouts lead draft analyst Daniel Jeremiah. Bucky Brooks on a week 10 that saw a ton of blowouts, but we saw some things coming back full circle, it felt like. Things, maybe water finding its level in some (laughs) cases, some teams identifying what to expect from them moving forward. Guys, uh, let's kick this thing off here like we always do with our big three. And we'll start with the Chiefs. That's a bit more like, am I right? Casey finally figuring out, figuring it out. Mahomes back to his old tricks, over 400 yards, five touchdowns, 30th career game with 300 plus passing yards, passing our Hall of Famer, Kurt Warner, for the most such games in a player's first five seasons. Chiefs win the turnover battle, which feels like for the first time like this season, and they get the big win, 41 to 14. So DJ Patrick Mahomes said after the game, I think the whole team got their swag back, (laughs) felt like it. How'd they do it? Well, I think back to that movie, right? The famous movie, Field of Dreams. If you build it, he will come. This is, if you will be patient, the big plays will come. And that's what they did in this game. We've been asking the Chiefs to do this. In that first quarter, throws under 10 air yards. Patrick Mahomes, 6 of 6, with a perfect quarterback rating and a touchdown. Take those layups. The threes are going to come, Buck. They did a nice job of being patient in this game. And then those explosives started to pile up. They did start to pile up. And when I look at Pat Mahomes, I felt like he channeled his inner Steph Curry. He went into the paint, hit a couple floaters, a couple layups, and then the three ball came easy for him. (laughs) And they did it because Andy Reid did a great job of really sitting in some screen passes, some swings to the running back, make it easy for him. And because they were able to throw it really quick, really efficiently to the backs on those screens and things, the rest of the game came easy. And Pat Mahomes was able to regain the confidence that confidence that really made him a superhero in that quarterback stretch. You guys are really nailing it with your analogies uh, here today. Yes. <laughs> we, got, we got the NBA yes. and the MLB already. Yeah. This, is, yeah. this is big. Um, I'm not going to give you an NHL reference here, uh, but I will say that you, you talked about getting it out to the screen game and the running backs being a big part of the passing game. This is the first game this year in which Patrick Mahomes was pressured less than 30% of the time on his dropbacks. And, well, play action was probably a big part of that mm-hmm. as well. He had four touchdowns on play action passes here and they were kind of creative you saw that Noah Gray touchdown kind of faking the block right skipping into the end zone and Mahomes hit him right away a couple of those plays man just it felt like everything was truly back to normal for the Kansas City Chiefs in this game now can they keep it up right can they replicate this it was great to see Mahomes not turned down some of those well, easy completions. Well, they're not going to see what the Raiders did defensively. Now, that's a good team. point. Why? That was a departure from what you've seen other teams do. The Raiders kind of do what they do. They're going to play single high. They're going to play cover three. Uh, but there were opportunities that presented themselves yes. in this game that we hadn't necessarily seen in other games, even to the point where you had other teams using speed to mirror Patrick Mahomes. So when he did climb up in the pocket, there was somebody that could really run there waiting for him, Buck. There was no such player there for the Raiders in this one. Yeah, the Raiders took a, an, an odd attack because we've seen so many teams have success against the Kansas City Chiefs playing too deep coverage, really sitting back, making them test the discipline and patience of Pat Mahomes. And 
The Raiders didn't do that. And so you allowed Pat Mahomes to get into a rhythm. And once he got into a rhythm, it snowballed. So I'm surprised that Gus Bradley didn't take a different tactic. Well, let me ask you this then, because, I mean, is it just – is that difficult for a team that doesn't play that way on a week-to-week basis to then kind of morph themselves in the framework of a game plan week to try and do that? Well, here's the thing. That's why they didn't do Gus it? Gus Bradley spent a lot of time working under Monty Kiffin. He's one of the originators of Tampa, too. Number two, right. Like, they have that in the bag. I'm sure they've talked about that. They've used that coverage at times. I'm just surprised that they didn't feature it as opposed to using it as a compliment. We're seeing how many problems other teams have given Pat Mahomes by sitting back in too deep coverage, not blissing him, and daring him to make the check down, down the field. They didn't necessarily do it, made it easy for him. I can't say it enough. I mean, when you watch them and the plays like this one right here, even though it's throwing the whole field, when Patrick <laughs> Mahomes can climb up with his shoulders parallel yeah. to the line of scrimmage, the whole field is open to him. It's access to him. If you force Sammy gets out and he's rushing to flush to the right, flushing to the left, behind the line of scrimmage, at least you shrink the field a little bit. When you allowed him to climb up and you've got nobody waiting there for him, this is what Trouble. happens. And in the blink of an eye, the Chiefs have gone from worst to first in How about the that? AFC West, right? But everyone else just about a half game behind. So it's, it's not over by any stretch of the imagination as long as the Chiefs can replicate what we saw on Sunday night. Let's move to game two of the big three, and that takes us to a snowy Lambeau field. At least it was snowing before the game. Uh, it, it felt like it was probably snowing all game for Russell Wilson in his return here. This was a game billed as, you know, the return of two elite starting quarterbacks. It's tough to score points in this game, especially for the Seahawks. Shut out for the first time uh, with Russell Wilson as their quarterback. Packers didn't score six until A.J. Dillon got into the end zone at the 10-minute mark of the fourth quarter. He did it again later in the game, and they end up winning 17 uh, to nothing here. But, Bucky, that Packers defense is rolling right now. What are they doing so well? I mean, Joe Barry has this group going. And what I think is a combination of great scheme with great personnel. Scheme-wise, what they're doing is doing a better job of keeping the ball in front of the defense. And you're seeing these quarterbacks that they're facing, Kyler Murray, Pat Mahomes, Russell Wilson, they're having a tough time moving the ball down the field. You see the four interceptions that they've combined for, how the passer rating is all under 75. Great defense with the combination of pressure That's and outstanding coverage. That's right there. I mean, it just a one very touchdown from those three yes. elite quarterbacks? Great that's, job. That, that's pretty good right there. And look, I'll, you know, looking at uh, Russell Wilson coming back, I, I, I don't know whether it was, you know, not being 100% with the finger or the rust, but he was off more so than we have seen Russ off in a long time. Like to, to further illustrate, we're talking about a guy who's 0 for 7 with an interception on deep balls. That's the most deep attempts for Wilson without a completion in the next gen stats era, which goes back to 2016. And then when he gets out of the pocket, outside of the tackle box, Two interceptions like that, that's where he's most dangerous. He just didn't have it on this day. No, he didn't. And yeah. when I look at the big picture here with the Seattle Seahawks. That's you know, really the question. That's what's fascinating to me. Because when you think about the end of the season, now they're three and six. It's a 17-game season. It's not over yet. But they pile up a couple more losses. Now you're full-on evaluation mode. You talk about you want to see young players and see what they can do and evaluate your roster to me, you need to take a holistic approach to this roster and see, is this something that we have a championship window that's still open here with Russell Wilson? Or is this a situation where this is a full reboot? You've got an older coach in Pete Carroll. You've got an aging roster. Last year, you only had three picks in the draft, not a first-round pick. Next year, you're without your first-round pick. That goes to the Jets again this year in that Jamal Adams trade. It looks on the surface that this could be kind of a reset period 
for John Schneider and the Seattle Seahawks. The, the culmination of this season is going to be fascinating to determine what they do with their future planning. And, Bucky, think about this. Russell Wilson, after signing that contract extension, has got no more guaranteed money left mm -hmm. on this deal in the next couple of years. Same for Bobby Wagner after he signed his big deal. Now they still have some with Jamal Adams they and paid with Tyler Lockett. Lockett. Yeah. Uh, but, man, is this, is this a situation where you would consider – tearing this thing down and seeing what you can get for Russell Wilson? So there are a couple of different ways, and DJ and I can go back and forth on how to do it. There's the way where you keep maybe the big four. You keep Russell, you keep Bobby Wagner, you have Jamal, and maybe Tyler Lockett, and you try and build around those four guys, much like the Atlanta Falcons did during one of their times in rebuilding around Matt, Matt Ryan. Ryan. Yeah. Or you can completely take it all the way down to the studs. You get rid of Russell to bring back draft picks. You try and see if you can hit on that magical draft that you did in 2011, which gave them the impetus to be able to take a run at back-to-back -back Super Bowls. This is tough because the coach is older. Does the coach want to stick around for an older rebuild as an older player to rebuild this team? We'll see what that looks like. The other side of it is not only does John Schneider need to evaluate this roster, I guarantee you that Russell Wilson is evaluating this roster to let it be known whether or not he wants to stay there going forward. Because if he doesn't feel like this team is close over the next couple of years, He's got a few years left in his prime prime. I know Tom Brady has kind of changed all the narrative with that. But you look historically, these next three years, four years, that's the period here for Russell Wilson. I, if this roster is not ready to go and I'm Russell Wilson, I might be trying to force my way Ooh. out of Seattle. Yeah, I mean, well, that's what we talked about for the yeah, three months Yeah, that story got offseason. buried because the Aaron Rodgers thing happened right after that. And it just, yeah. like, disappeared. Yeah, and they, they tried to smooth it all out and make it better. I mean, like, I, I just feel like you don't go out and make a move and give up all that draft capital for a player like Jamal Adams if you're not prepared to stick with this run and this core, right? What if you just miscalculated? You thought you were this close, and it turns out you're this close. I don't know. I just feel like we don't see teams often admit that kind of mistake. Yeah, <laughs> I think they'd be hard-pressed to admit it because they're so all the way in. And to think about their future without Russell Wilson is really hard, particularly because Russell has played so well. He's been a dependable and reliable piece. You move on from yeah. here to kind of go into the lottery to get what? And what we don't know, it's going to be tough for the Seattle Seahawks. It's going to be fascinating. Way. Yeah, it is, certainly. And look, they're not out of it, right? This no, is an 18-week season. They're 3-6. and six. I mean, like, you know, if they can manage to, to you know, finish with, you know, maybe only losing one or two more games, they're, they're very much in this thing. So a lot left to figure out over the course of the next eight weeks. All right, let's get to our final game here of the Big Three. And for that, we're going to go to Nashville, where two teams void of their best offensive players did battle here. Derrick Henry, Julio Jones down for the Titans. Alvin Kamara out for the Saints. Titans built a lead early. Saints fought back, came within a two-point conversion of tying this thing up in the final minutes. Titans, though, get their sixth straight win and sit at 8-2 and two atop the AFC. The top seed in the AFC this is what they've done the last five, uh, averaging close to 30 a game, giving up just over 20 and plus eight in the sack differential. Uh, DJ is going to have a bit more on that a bit later in the show with Jeffrey Simmons and Harold Landry and company. Uh, but I think that illustrates maybe one of the biggest uh, pictures of this Titans team, and that's physicality. DJ. Yeah, I don't know that they're ever going to win box scores with the that's way okay. that they play. They don't mm -hmm. care about that. They're going to get on the field, and there's certain teams you play against, you know, okay, win or lose, we're going to be really sore after this ball game is over, and that is the Tennessee Titans, specifically with their front. And we'll show some plays uh, later on to see how they're able to execute and get that done up front. But, Buck, if you know you've got Tennessee on the schedule, mm -hmm. I don't care who's in the lineup, who's out of the lineup, get ready for a street fight. Yeah, you have to get ready for a street fight because their calling card is their toughness and their physicality. Mike Vrabel has made sure that 
each and every week. When you see the Tennessee Titans, that stuff stands out on tape. And what I like about it is they made that a premium over everything else because this is a team that are down several top players. Julio Jones is out. King Henry is sitting on the shelf. But it doesn't matter. They figure out a way to win games, and style points don't matter. This is a team that is really taking on the personality of their coach. They're all about the bottom line, and the bottom line in Tennessee is winning. So style points may not matter in terms of wins, but right now the Saints just don't have any style and they don't have the wins <laughs> or points. Either. Or points. <laughs> I mean, like that's yeah, that's just and that's not a knock on on the Saints here. I mean, that's just kind of hurt. injuries have deprived them of all this. I mean, Michael Thomas down for the year. Of course, Jameis Winston out for the year. We don't know how long Alvin Kamara is going to be out, but he wasn't there in this game. And so you're like, where is your elite playmaker? And look, Sean Payton is as good a coach and as good an offensive mind as there is, but at some point. Like, you got to have the horses to go out there and run this race with. It felt like they just kind of fell short. I mean, like, credit to hats off to Mark Ingram in this game, becomes the Saints' all-time leading rusher. Uh, you know, it was a big part of the comeback effort for the Saints, but they're just missing pieces here. I know your favorite band, Counting Crows, had a song called Hanging Around. <laughs> oh. You remember that, right? That's, that's, that's more the of a Saints. Mr. Jones the, guy. The, the, <laughs> exactly. Nice, nice poll. Okay. Uh, no, I think the Saints, they hang around in football games. They just don't quite have enough. I mean, yeah, that's what it feels like. But they're still in it, man. If they can just try and ride this wave and just stay around 500, a little over 500, maybe get some guys back. And What an opportunity, though. Again, you talk about missed opportunities with the AFC West and trying to distance themselves from the Chiefs. I mean, the Bucs have lost yeah. two in a row here. Saints come within a two-point conversion of a win that would have tied them for first place in the South. But that division is now very much up for grabs, so not out of it if they can get just a little bit more healthy. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Newton's going to run right. In the grass, breaks a tackle. McCaffrey, <laughs> everybody celebrating. Touchdown, right side. First play, a touchdown. <laughs> well, Cam said it. Do I even need to explain it? It's the Elite Eight. We're talking about players, teams, and trends that are back in a big way following your week 10 Sunday going into Monday Night Football uh, tonight. So let's kick this thing off, Bucky, with the man of the hour, the man of the week, the man of the day, Cam Newton. Yeah, Cam Newton is back. And I think Cam Newton really learned a lot from his time in New England. I think when you dig deep and you watch the interaction that he had with his teammates, he certainly was not more of the me guy that he appeared to be doing his first stint. So the leadership ability, saw the team first approach, and I think what he's doing is he's going to bring the energy and he's going to bring some of that knowledge that he gained in that one year with New England. I think it's going to help the Panthers be a much better team just because of his leadership ability. And with Christian McCaffrey back in the lineup, perhaps the Panthers can work their way back into the playoff conversation here yeah. in the NFC as well. Much more on Cam Newton's two touchdowns in this game coming up in our stop and watch segment in just a moment. Uh, but also back this week, the Bills offense following that six-point affair uh, in that lost to the Jaguars they got back in a big way against the New York Jets Stefan Diggs big part of it season high 162 yards just his 
second 100-yard receiving game this year after he uh, lit the league on fire in his first season with the Bills last year. Got into the end zone as well. This felt like the Bills' offense we came to know and love last year. I think they are, in fact, back here, DJ. Which reminds me of the greatest win-win trade we've seen in a long time. Yes. Because you had Diggs going to the Buffalo Bills. The Minnesota Vikings used that draft pick for Justin Jefferson, <laughs> who had a chance to watch in that Chargers game, who was off the charts. The Chargers had no answer for him. On every key down, they were able to find him down the field. He was making plays. He was doing things after the catch with his toughness and his physicality. Tavon Campbell forced into action with Michael Davis being on the shelf, and Justin Jefferson Tough got dude. after him. He even drew, uh, drew a penalty on that one. He goes nine for a buck 43 and was just a big-time number one wideout in this ballgame. I mean, he's a fantastic player. He was cooking with gas, and it's one of the reasons why the Minnesota Vikings were able to get on track. But Not another that team yet. that was able to get on track, how about on Thursday night, the Miami Dolphins and their defense? So much about what we liked about the Dolphins and why we thought they would be a playoff team was because of their defense. It looks like Brian Flores got back in the lab and has this defense back to playing well. A lot of cover zero, a lot of all-out pressures, bluffing guys up under, but they are taking the game to the offense and they're dictating the terms. And we see when the Miami Dolphins are able to control the game, control the line of scrimmage, they can win a lot of games because their defense is good enough to get it done. And Brian Flores saying today he expects Tua Tungavailoa to start for the Dolphins next week against the New York Jets. Don't want to miss up that opportunity for Tua against that Jets pass defense, which is struggling this year. It's like homecoming. Year. I mean, yeah, it's <laughs> it's homecoming. like scheduling homecoming. That's what it feels like right now. Uh, okay, another uh, area that was back um, down in Dallas, the Cowboys. That proving the loss to the Broncos last week, just a blip on the radar. Cowboys back in a big way. First win by 40-plus points since the turn of the century when Randall Cunningham had to start for Troy Aikman back in 2000. Uh, Dak was on it. Michael Gallup also back in the lineup and was right back in the mix you see on this play, just wide open there on a fourth down. Speaking of which, Cowboys went 0 for 4 on fourth downs against the Broncos. Perfect three for three on fourth down against the Falcons. One of them ended up in a touchdown. A terrific day all around for Dallas getting it done against the Atlanta Falcons, Deej. I want to know what Dan Quinn did after that game. <laughs> that had to be sweet. I, uh, he had yeah, to enjoy I, that. Against his old team, I, I would agree. That was just an absolute complete domination. Really what we've seen from the Dallas Cowboys in the past, which is all the different ways they can beat you offensively. And then even when you're not you know, at your best and you're missing some players up front, Micah Parsons is one of those guys that seems to make everything work. He does make everything work. Dan Quinn's biggest impact has been on the defense, getting the defense to play consistent. Because they're playing consistently on that side of the ball, the offense is able to do their work. We saw that come into fruition against the Falcons. All right, let's keep it rolling here. I'm going to go with the Indianapolis Colts as somebody that's back. They're back to 500. And this is a team, <laughs> is. if not for a couple heartbreaking losses to Baltimore and Tennessee, they'd be riding a seven-game win streak right now. We'd all be talking about them about how phenomenal that they've been. Yeah. Uh, so this Colts team, they are a beat-you-up team. We talk about the Tennessee Titans, and you, you see them in that matchup right there. That's a physical affair. Jonathan Taylor, as the season goes along, he's just going to get stronger. It's the best Carson, back in football right now. Carson Wentz does not have to do a whole lot for this team to win football games, and right yeah. now they found a winning formula. I'm yeah, that you, formula man. is definitely working. You talked about Jonathan Taylor and all of the running. He is the best young running back in football right now. He's at the top of the chart, tied with Derrick Henry. But there's another team that is running the football really, really well, and that's the Philadelphia Eagles. And I know in Philly they talk about fly, Eagles fly. I don't think they want to take the friendly skies if they want to win games because they are running the ball successfully. The last three games, 
They've had, at a minimum, 175 rushing yards. You see Boston Scott, Jordan Howard, you have Jalen Hurst. The three of those guys are just absolutely getting it done, taking turns, leading this. And so when I look at this Eagles team, they're a team that could get hot. And because they can run the football and play a certain style, they can make life difficult for some of these other teams in the NFC. Weird that it took losing your most talented running back yeah, to, to uh, rediscover the run yeah, game. Yeah, it's kind of funny how it is. Hey, what, whatever works, right, DJ? What else you got? Yeah, no doubt. Look, to me, you talk about things being back. Ties are back, baby. We got a tie here. The Detroit not Lions, ties, unfortunately, not going to be a 17-loss team. So congratulations <laughs> to the Detroit Lions. No, seriously, they, they were competitive. I know the Pittsburgh Steelers, you hate to see the injury there to T.J. Watt. Um, and this is a team that was out without Ben Roethlisberger. Mason Rudolph was competent out there for the Steelers. But look, it's one of those little quirks with the NFL. I know some people want to see an overtime go on and let's get a, a winner. I kind of like it. I kind of like getting these random tie games. Do you? And when you get to the postseason, we get to the, the end of the year. The it is race. absolute mayhem. That's what makes it fun. I don't know, man. Uh, I think I'm with Najee Harris here. Uh, who, he had no you know, clue that it was so well. It, it, acknowledge. I mean, like when ties are back, we also get players acknowledging that they're not familiar with the NFL overtime rules coming back as well. Najee, I'm with you, man. Let's at least do some <laughs> two point conversions here at the end, like the new college rules, right? Get nine overtimes oh, or something. Let's have some fun with Give that. Give me my ties. Yeah, there you go. Ties are back, I guess, for better or worse. Right? Not on the show, though. No, no, no. They're never coming back on this show. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. All right, time now for Scout Stories. Take a look at the Chargers. What has gone wrong with this team the last month? They are 1-3 in their last four after starting the season 4-1. and one. They're down in points per game. They're up in points per game allowed. The point and total yard differentials are going the wrong way. Uh, DJ, I feel like it's time to put the Chargers in the body shop here a little bit. We open it up the body shop. Yeah, let's, open, a while. let's <laughs> open up the garage. Let's back in that, that Chargers van and let's see what the heck's going on here. We know they've had trouble yeah. against the run on defense, but now it feels like the issues are filtering into the secondary and the pass defense. Uh, can you make some sense of this? Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I thought the run defense has been a little bit better the last couple weeks, but now you look at some issues on the back end. But I, I want to dig into some deeper numbers here when you look at this football team. Yeah. Because when you're calling the games, it sure feels like they're on defense an awful lot more than they're on <laughs> offense, and it sure proves itself know. out. Uh, minus 13 minutes in, in time differential here over, the la over those three losses. Third downs have been a big issue, both offensively and defensively. Offensively, 33%. Defensively, 45%. So th they've been letting drives continue on the other side of the ball, inability to get off the field. The secondary really struggled in this game, minus two starters. They've had their issues against the run previously, Buck. But to me, the bigger issues are offensively, where they've lost their explosiveness. They're not getting big chunk plays down the field. On third downs, they've had a combination of pressure with sacks. They've had drop passes. There's a lot of different issues right now for this team to get worked out. Yeah, the team is struggling right now. And one of the biggest guys that you have to fix is the quarterback, Justin Herbert. In those three losses, he hasn't completed over 60% of his passes. And two of those losses, he's had fewer than 200 yards, and that's not 
good enough for a guy who is a superstar quarterback. And so part of that falls on offensive coordinator Joe Lombardi to figure out a way to get Justin Herbert loose. They got talented weapons on the outside. Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, those guys have to be unleashed and allowed to have a little freedom in their routes because these guys should not be slowed down by what we're seeing from the defense. It's all about figuring out a way to get your best players loose on the perimeter. So you brought up a great point. To me, Keenan Allen, the answer is to the third down problems. It's number 13. It's Keenan Allen. Let him get in the slot and give him freedom. Let him run option routes. Nobody in this league is going to be able to cover Keenan Allen when he has freedom. There's a play in this game where you see him kind of run to get covered. Man, I'm like, let's free up Keenan Allen. Just let him work. Well, we were just talking about the Titans scheming up ways for mm -hmm. Jeffrey Simmons to get free and that yeah. massive humanity up front. Why can't we do that? For Keenan Allen in the Chargers here, especially on third downs, and especially where you know he is just so difficult to deal with as a route runner, right? You give him a couple of two-way goes there on a DB, and I mean that's impossible to defend. So certainly makes a lot of sense there. So I guess uh, we, we need a, a like a new carburetor. Uh, tra <laughs> transmission is having some trouble. Uh, we need a, like a brake overhaul as well. Um, this is a team that has certainly hit the skids. Uh, on the flip side, though, I feel like it's time to take a look at some teams that are pulling to put their pedal to the metal here. Oh, put nice. it down to the floor. Some teams primed to go on a run. And uh, for that, Bucky, you get to lead us off. Oh, well, look, the Chargers are struggling. And when they're struggling, they allow the Kansas City Chiefs to get back ah. on track. And so the Kansas City Chiefs are a team that you want to keep an eye on as they make a run. If the quarterback has figured it out, like it appeared that he figured it out against the Raiders, look out. Because the AFC does not want to see this team come back, meaning that explosive version of the Kansas City Chiefs where they're not turning it over and Pat Mahomes is playing great. If he is hot, then the Kansas City Chiefs are going to be a problem down the stretch. Yeah, we just put the, the Chargers in the body shop. Let's go with the car analogy. The Chiefs are out of pit row. They, they might have been in the pits <laughs> trying to figure things out, but that car is back on the yeah. track right now. Yeah, they got lapped a couple of times, but they have found their way back into the mix They're on here. the lead lap right now. <laughs> too many analogies. It's too many. It's too many. Uh, I'm going to give you one more. Uh, the, the Carolina Panthers are shifting. All right, no, that's it. Uh, okay. uh, the Panthers are rocking and rolling here with Cam Newton back, providing a spark, providing the energy. Did you see him on the side? spark? I mean, how many these I don't even know it. it just, it's <laughs> happening. It's subconscious at this point. You see him on the sideline gather the whole offense oh, yeah. up? Yeah. I mean, like, the, the impact he has for this team extends beyond what he can do for them on the field. Christian McCaffrey is rolling. Check out the next couple of games here. They've got Washington at home, and then they got to go to Miami to take on the Dolphins. Two winnable games before they get a bye week, settle down a little bit, get some, guys, some more guys healthy. Then they come back with, over the course of their last five games, four of those five are division matchups. Guess who the only team in the NFC South is right now with an undefeated record in the division? The Carolina Panthers mm. at 2-0. and So they've got two against the Bucs. They, they will control their destiny, in a sense, here in the NFC South at this point. Panthers, DJ, could make a run. I like that. Mine might shock you a little bit, but wait do you see this schedule. The Philadelphia Eagles coming off of a big win over the Denver Broncos. Gonna do what? Look at this schedule here going forward. They've got a chance. New Orleans without a quarterback. You've got the Giants, the Jets, and Washington. The Eagles really have an opportunity to get on a run here, and I use the word run because Bucky <laughs> hit on that earlier, the way they're running the football, and then pay that off with Devontae Smith. And quietly, Jalen Hurts is playing very efficient, good football over the last few games. His buddy Devontae Smith rolling get again? Rolling. Felt like the mm -hmm. early part of the season where he was getting into the end zone. Got a couple of TD catches in this one, so that was nice to see it. Feels like they really are firing on all cylinders. Here. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> you know, Can't help sorry. himself. 
Uh, that's it for the car analogies. Nobody Let's, on the set even knows how to change a tire, by yeah, the way. Well, you disclosure. might be right about that. Just nope. call Triple X. We expect Odell Beckham to make his debut for the Rams tonight on Monday Night Football against the Niners, and they kind of need him because Robert Woods, unfortunately, went down for the season. Yeah, he went from being a luxury item to a necessity. And right. what they need OBJ to be is they don't need him to be a number one receiver. They need him to be a nice compliment on the backside of Cooper Cup. And he certainly is able to do that. Now, all the things that the Rams do certainly play into the wheelhouse of Odell Beckham Jr., not only in the passing game, but all of the jet sweeps. Because remember, at LSU, he was an accomplished punt returner. They've talked about him returning punts, possibly for the Rams. Let Ed Odell touch the ball on the perimeter yeah. and good things will happen. It's also a way to keep him engaged so you don't have some of the issues that may have plagued him in Cleveland. And, and I imagine that he'll eventually get a bigger role as the weeks progress. I would say tonight you probably still see a lot of Van Jefferson. Oh, uh, yeah. and, and look, Cooper Cup is the, the, the straw that stirs the yeah. drink for the uh, Rams offense. That is for sure. Don't expect that to change. Hoping this might change for the San Francisco 49ers. Trey Lance's participation, <laughs> DJ. I mean, yeah. Please. I mean, I know, look, look, this is a three and five football team right now. If you're not going to start him, I, I guess I'm okay with that. But let's start sprinkling him in. Give him some opportunities to touch the football. You need more dynamic players, and that's what he is. Had some injuries early on, Buck, but I, I want to see what they have here with Trey Lance. Yeah, I mean, certainly you want to see what you can do to build around him. And so put him on the field, let him get some opportunities, and let's see it. It's only so much you can accomplish by being on the sideline. At some point, you have to play to get better. I mean, we we loved how they used him in, at the end of the preseason, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. so fun. In Every other play. And, uh, yeah, it just, it, we just have not uh, been treated to that kind of usage yet. <laughs> I love seeing Trent Williams on that play just absolutely <laughs> destroy people. But uh, maybe we get to see that tonight uh, for the San Francisco 49ers, who, by the way, have owned this matchup, right? They're 5-3 and three against the Rams the last four years. So uh, we'll see if they can make it. Different though. quarterback this time that's right that's right Matthew Stafford running the show for the Rams and that's going to do it for this show here on your move the sticks Monday uh, for Bucky and DJ I'm Brett we'll see you back here next week You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.